After facing down their foe, Magister Morden, but before they could use the Heart of the Void to its full potential, the party was once again interrupted, this time by Katagas, who had made some sort of sacrifice to gain even more power and bring himself there before them at this time. As the party geared up to face him, with a simple wave of his hand and the stated intent to understand them, the party was incapacitated. For Rolandir, as you tumble to the hard stone atop the crown of Egadon, you see Cad stalking toward you, kneeling down, his voice muffled in your ears, and then darkness. Though there's still something, some kind of thrumming in your head, some kind of pressure against your eardrums, and then, with a quick intake of breath, the world is back, except this snowy scape that you were on before is now punctuated by red-hot flame. Looking around you, you're in a bedroom, one that is quickly becoming more and more familiar to you, of a small forest cottage where you grew up, as fire licks under your door and up the curtains by your shattered window. Is this a purely visual thing, or is it, like, fully effective smoke, heat, light, like, everything's coming to them? Every sensation is there, and as you scramble, even just sitting upward, you realize your body how it's constructed, how you are, is how you were, what age you were when this event took place. It's not like your mind is constrained there, though. Right. You remember two seconds ago being knocked unconscious by Cad atop the crown of Agadon. Mm-hmm. Choking now, starting to, from the smoke entering his lungs. Rolandier, obviously overwhelmed visually, audibly from the crackling and the straining of wood around him. He's a little dazed, and he drops down to the ground, and he's going to just try to orient himself a little bit more and look for what he would remember is essentially the closest exit, whether that's a window that he can try to burst open, throw open, or a door that he can exit out, just trying to get out so he can clear his head a little bit more. The window seems to be one of the sources of the flame, and so it is already just a light there. It doesn't seem to be a viable exit there. The door, though bordered by fire on one side, is still intact. Just a side question to this. As he's rummaging around, his heart rate really just, like, increasing, starting to beat faster and faster, does he notice that there's any sort of, like, additional light source that's reflecting off things? Maybe one coming from his face or anything? Yeah, you could say that. Perfect. Okay. Well, seeing as the door is probably the most viable option, he's going to start heading towards that and just try to burst through, causing as little damage to himself in the process of getting through the door. You punch through the door here with you know the force of your body, barrel into the hallway that seems to be wreathed in flame, and you aren't presented with very many choices here. One way is just a cyclone of fire, while the other one seems to be engulfed in thick black smoke. There are some other doors in the hallway uh, leading to a lavatory, leading to where your parents slept, but even those doors seem to have this red-orange glow creeping from underneath them. As is making this scan, and he glances past the door where his parents probably should have been, 
he is about to keep turning and go out towards the direction where there is the least amount of flames. And then he turns back towards the door. And as far as he can make it to this door, because he said, like, there's no flames, but, like, the orange glow is on the other side of the door. Yes, yes. Okay. Rolandia rushes to that door where his parents would have been sleeping, and he's just going to start banging on it, trying to throw it open. It resists at first, but gives way after just a few seconds, and you careen into their room. And almost without feeling like he's the one doing it, he more just hears it, but he hears his own voice just saying, Mom! Dad! And anyone in there? Roll insight for me. All right. Uh, That's an 18. As you barge in and yell, you notice immediately the lack of your parents. There's a shattered window here that doesn't show any signs of fire damage yet, though there is a streak of blood on the sill and on the floor. There's a small table at the end of the bed where one of the legs seems to be broken, and the bed itself is in complete disarray, indicating some sign of a struggle before some kind of retreat was made. Interesting. Is the window in a state where Rolander could now get himself through it? Yes, but with your body how it currently is at this age, probably not without injury. Okay. He's going to, as he goes by, he's going to just take whatever bedding there is from the bed, try to throw it over any broken glass or things that were inside the window, and then kind of roll himself out of it. Still probably needed to climb through and damned himself along the way, but he's going out the window. Yeah, and as you tumble down onto kind of a bed of rocks and broken glass, you slice open your forearm on the side of your thumb, extending down a little ways from your wrist, nearly to the crook of your elbow. It's a large gash, but it isn't too deep. And you notice there are flecks of blood in the snow as well. And you hear voices coming from the forest. You hear rustling in the brush and in the trees above, but it's all overtaken by this massive groaning and creaking that is your childhood home, now almost fully engulfed in flames as it crumbles behind you. Wooden beams and supports and otherwise topple down into the snow, just creating these huge gusts of ash and smoke that billow outward, completely covering you as a wave of heat likewise washes over your form. And as you're lost in this fit of darkness and coughing, when you wake, or rather when you open your eyes again, it's you wiping this this ash from your vision, but it's not ash, it's tears. And as you look up, you see your your hands are gauntleted. You've got a travel sack that you've set beside you, and you're on your knees in the snow, now looking at a years-old ruin of the same scene. Oh, gods, what's going on? As you say that, as you let out this breath, too, there's this familiar, of course, metal housing upon your face. That had been discarded so long ago. Realizing the very unfamiliar feeling now of this mask and kind of noticing the small 
clouds around his vision from you know where the slits were and they impose a little bit into his eyes it's starting to set into him a little bit more one that he's completely <laughs> kind of had a distraction put in from whatever uh, Katagas was planning on doing and two that he's realizing there's really a genuine curiosity inside of him to keep going into these. So he's kind of fighting the second and he's going to take a moment now just to try to stand up, get a hold of himself and see if there's any sign or feeling more of a feeling within himself of where Katagas is or what he's doing. Why don't you roll insight for me? Uh, that's a 16. You probably stand yep. then with this. The initial feeling of claustrophobia from this mask wearing off after a second as you get accustomed to it again, and you focus yourself on the task at hand of finding Cad, this foe that supposedly put you here. With that, you probably take a few steps toward the ruin of your home, which is really just a few bricks and beams. There's barely anything left at this point, but you do notice footprints, recent footprints, in the soot and such. Which direction are they heading? They seem to go up the little stairs to the small porch and then inside the house proper. But he doesn't notice any from the return journey or exit journey from it? No, no. Feeling more comfortable and familiar with this mask, he is going to reach up to it and see if it will once again transform into his sword as he pulls it away. It does so. And he's going to walk into the house, sword drawn. Do you trace these footsteps, or what's your intended path? Yes, following whatever clues he can as to where this person went or is. As you walk along the path made by these dusty footprints, you go through the foyer, or what remains of it, through a larger living and dining space, down a corridor, and then finally around a small bend where a half wall remains, this charred slab of wood and stone and then finally into your room, or what was your room, where next to a pile of charred wood, you see Cad standing there. He has in his hands just small pieces of parchment or book covers, things that have been burned beyond recognition. He just gives them a cursory look and then throws them onto this pile, glancing just barely over his shoulder at you as you walk up, and he says... Well, finally. I don't suppose attacking you in whatever this place is would have much effect on anything, would it? Doubtful. Though, I was going to ask you what this place was. It's home. Home. Was. And why bring me here? It's the one place I can't forget from the old world. It's almost taken every memory-feeling piece of me. That belonged there, except for this. Yes, I've noticed that in you. There isn't much left of Reese, as you were called, no? And Andrew just nods his head, and he's gonna, still holding his sword, but more just kind of loosely. He, he'll actually prop it up, just kind of in the corner, amidst some of these piles of burnt ashes and whatnot. He'll go and take a... Uh, take a seat on some of the crumbled blocks or pieces of wood that made up the frame of the house next to Cad. Cad will give you a little point as you sit, just gesturing toward your face, and he'll say, Your countenance is a bit brighter, but all in all, quite the same man, through and through, it would seem. 
This was the first time that I proved everyone right. I'd always been looked at differently. There's something about the breeding of deity and man that causes people to be a little jumpy. Always worried that you're going to use your power for something dangerous that they can't understand. The irony is that I didn't even understand it either. Well, I can't say it was quite any different in the world I grew up in. Maybe that's why it's stuck around with me. It's not so much a piece of the old world as it is us people. A relic, I think, of simpler, baser times where understanding hinged on such myths. But when one understands the nature of gods and beings, then what's a little intimacy? And he'll just chuckle and then throw the rest of his scraps onto the pile and wipe his hands of the soot and say, well, <clears throat> is this it then? Our final destination? I haven't seen much compared to the others. Honestly, I don't know what you're trying to uh, draw out of me or us. I don't know really what's going on here to begin with, but I'd be fine leaving here if it's all the same to you. As you say that and look up at him, you're actually looking next to him. As you walk along a path with Cad through some forest that, though doesn't immediately come to your recollection, may in a moment or two. But you do see over these trees as you're cresting a small hill, a wide expanse of distant mountains and a very majestic looking city of kind of stylistically elven make, at least according to your knowledge. So, probably still rooted in the old world. And Cad says, No, Rolandi, you must understand. <laughs> I have no part in any of this. Well, that, okay, that's not entirely true. I did bring you here, to begin with. But where you take us, where your mind sees fit to drag me and you along to, is up to it, not I. Then... Being at this sort of top of this hill, now looking out, Rolander takes in a deep breath, just taking it all in. Well, I guess if that's the case, I might as well enjoy what parts I can. I'll try to keep the part out where you just tossed one of the truest friends I'd ever had off of a mountain. This was his home, where I met him. Ah, the elf, was it? Lyrian. Yes. He was quite useful for a time. Reiner's just going to kind of start walking, getting closer, taking paths that he starts to feel are maybe a little bit more familiar to him as he's walking. You know, he really had no business being in the New World. At least, that's what I tell myself. He shouldn't have been there. He found me at a low point in my life when all I'd really wanted was to fight take out my anger on anyone who I thought deserving of it. The elves became targets of bandits, raiders, because they're traveling. Merchants and traders always carried fine goods. Found a good place to set up camp a few miles outside of the city, and, well, I took it upon myself to try to clear them out. Figured it would at least do some good. And I felt... Day after day, week after week of this doing, they just kept coming back. 
no difference. No change made. And I just thought, you know, maybe one day they'll get the best of me. I could clear out a camp of 10, 15, 20. It was nothing. But one day, simply five. I don't know if it was something subconscious inside of me that let them do it, or if I had just become so weary they were about to kill me. And then Lyrian came out of nowhere. Five clean arrows straight through the neck of each of them. I asked him later about it. He said that was more of a target for the day. Nothing in particular about it, but he brought me back to his home, put me on the mend, and we talked. Asked about who he was, who I was, and I guess he had been feeling a little bit of the trap that some royalty can feel. I hesitate to make any comparisons to young Valmes, but a little bit of the same story. Ob obligated to some responsibilities that he did not necessarily want, or at least to take care of them in the way that he did not want to, and he thought there was things to be learned, things to be found that could help his people in the new world. I told him no, initially. Or perhaps he told me no. I can't remember. Either way, he eventually did end up coming, and as soon as we were through, I think we'd felt that there was ultimately no way that he could come back, even though that was his final hope. I'd hoped to use that one last wish of his as something that could be used in the Heart of the Void. Although I guess that's not an option now. No, he was a smart lad, I'll give him that. Had collated quite the journal, <laughs> you should see. All the sketches and references, notes and whatnots of the things he'd seen and all you'd all done. A very interesting read. Though even still, he'd managed to get himself indentured to Vale some way or another. I believe we all have. Mm. Perhaps. However, you say that his wish, his last wish, would be something you'd, what, include? If you were to get hold of the Heart of the Void and use it yourself? Well, obviously, if I were to use it, yes, but something I'd hoped to ask of whoever would use it to include... What exactly was that wish? To send him home. Ah. And he, what, deserves that? I think we all deserve to spend our final days somewhere that we can call a true home. For me, that is no longer the old world. Egadon has become my very <laughs> essence, I guess you could say. But not for him. Hmm. I'll consider it. You'll, whoa, wait. You'll, you'll consider what? You believe you'll be using the Heart of the Void, is it? You find that any more amusing than the notion that you will? I merely thought you would have pressed ever on in trying to have Luna use it, but... I don't know. Cad, I've tried to understand you ever since we've met, and I thought I'd had you pinned to whatever it was your goals were, but... I never quite got there. Still don't know exactly what it is that you want. Why are you doing this? As you look away from him and look back to him, the scene changes again. 
and I, I've said this to everyone else, it's like dream logic, really. <laughs> it doesn't really register that there's mm-hmm. a huge shift in locale or that it would be strange that the locale right. has shifted. But one moment you were kicking a stone down a woodland path and the next you're you know, drawing figure eights in the sand as you sit on a sunset-lit beach on some familiar shore, the islands of the Kraley. And as you look at McCad, he says, I believe you've known Rolandia for some time. I've been very clear and plain. Though, perhaps, perhaps, even it escapes me sometimes, whether or not it's become too lofty an aspiration. A perfect world, you see. That's what I desire. But what's important is from whom it stems. From where it is birthed. Who draws it into being. And I am of the opinion that only a perfect being can draw into existence a perfect world. There are no such things, unfortunately. Despite all my trust. Oh, Rolandier lets out a big breath, and he said, <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because I was about to chalk you up as the raving fool of the world for thinking you were the perfect being, but as long as you conceded at least that, that you were also not perfect, then... <laughs> no, Rolandier, I am far from perfect, and I have never been nor never will be worthy to use the Heart of the Void as I see it should be utilized. But Luna... She is the closest I've ever been able to find. And hmm, this may be the closest I've ever come. Getting her to understand what it costs, what it means to be godless, to use the heart, to yearn for something more. But we will see when you all awake from this miasma. And if I fail, then... Try and try again. And he'll just cross his hands on his knees and look out into the ocean. Well, at least I think we can agree on one thing, is that we hope for a perfect world, but understand it cannot be. I think the only difference is that you somehow believe that Luna could create a perfect world. She has everything she needs to. Almost. Almost. To create it. Then what does she lack? A perfect knowledge of all that mankind can do? Of what individuals are capable of and not capable of? So that never in the future, for eons, will anyone consider exercising power over another? Manipulating, being deceitful, doing things that, I don't know, would make the world an imperfect world? Or are you simply saying perfect from... (laughs) I guess that is a good... Logical next question. How do you define perfect, Cad? You're not quite far off with your former explanation. And you should be able to answer your own question. You saw the world Luna made by accident. The kind of people that resided there. What laws govern that place. I wouldn't call it utopia, but probably just a few steps away. And that was without the most powerful artifact in the known world. No, what she lacks, Rolandir, is the drive. 
the desire. Yes, she wants to right wrongs. But she does not believe herself the arbiter of such things. That is what I had hoped you all would instill in her. And perhaps, again, when you wake, perhaps she will step into that role yet. But right now, the outlook is bleak. So, try and try again. As you've said, what does that look like, Cad? Live, search, die again, wait for some other group to come back into the realm of... (laughs) I guess, I don't know who exactly would be ruling over that now, but wherever you end up, and come back and fetch you to pull you out again? No, Rolandia. And he'll stand and brush the sand off his pants and his hands and he'll offer his hand down for you to stand up he'll say I'll answer that question if you truly wish me to but I'll warn you first I won't let you remember the answer and I won't be kind in taking it from you Rylandir furrows his brow a little bit looks at the hand then back up at Cad (sighs) why the hell not and he grasps the hand As you're brought to your feet, you are likewise brought to your feet, except not by Cad, but by Ifron, in the parlor of the tavern in Udaello, in what was one of the most joyous of times, a time that you don't recall happening now. As Ifron and Kelnies and Mick and Brynir, Lairotz, Luna, Val, as they all beckon you to join their, you know, this lineup of them where uh, a, a small, you know, device has been set up, some intent imbued thing. And Kelnius will even be like, hurry, Rolander, there is it. it's going to go off. And just following whatever feeling is kind of bubbling inside of him, it feels like it's, you know, almost tarped down with stakes, but. He just rushes with this weird briskness and energy and happiness in his step. And he just walks along the way and he's going to go join the group. And as there's a countdown and then an exclamation, there's a bright flash. And as you kind of squeeze your eyes shut and then open them again, you're standing watching this scene frozen in time as everyone is picture perfect still across the room. And then there's a small nudge, as if someone elbows you, and you look beside you, and there's Cad, and he hands you this picture frame. One that you'd seen before, and then, didn't you discard it on your way down? Toss it into a fire, yes, and uh, I think Mick pulled it out. I can't remember, but he doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, I think Mick pulled it out. As Rolandier takes the picture frame, like, he's not even looking at it necessarily directly on. He already has just these tears that are welling up in his eyes as soon as that flash had gone off it was like that tarp whatever container was repressing all these emotions was blown apart just torn off and it was every single memory every single thing that he had forgotten about his interactions with these people who he had journeyed with and fought with and watched them die all comes flooding back into his mind and he is really on the verge of just sobbing and breaking down as he grabs this picture frame from Cad. 
What... What does this have to do with anything? Oh, it's... I remember. I didn't even know that I... That lost this. As you look up at Cad, why don't you roll insight for me? Third insight roll of the game. I've been doing a lot of insights in these last few episodes. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Uh, 21. As you look up at Cad, though he's trying to hide his emotions as always, his eyes betray a genuine sorrow as he looks at you. It, it doesn't border on pity just yet, but there is a sadness. He feels sorry for you. And he says in an equally somber tone, You must know, Rolandia, that I do not bear you any ill will. And so I give you this back. What was taken, perhaps unjustly, by others, or needfully in this case. As recompense... If you do decide to ask your questions. And then he'll round and just head for one of the tables on the far end of the parlor and sit. Leaving you kind of just between him and then this frozen group photo. Rolander stays almost doubled over for a bit on the floor. Just the picture in one hand, this group in front of him. He stands and... He's going to walk towards the frozen group first, just slowly, thoughtfully. Are they corporeal? Or, like, if you were to try to grasp at one of Efron's hands or something like that, like, would it stop or pass through? No, they're they're corporeal. Their skin is warm, but it's also solid, as if it were petrified or something. It is completely frozen in space and time. Then, Rolandier takes a good couple minutes going up to each one of the people who have now passed and who he's lost and just looks them in their eyes probably just receives back a you know staring on through look through him but you know Efron, Larotes, Kelnies, all of them and then he looks down at the picture takes a look back up at the others and gives it a couple nods swipes away the tears that are still remaining from his eyes and face, and then he goes to join Cad. As you sit across from Cad, he'll kind of as you as you sit and move him out of your sight line and then scoot your chair in and he's back in your sight line, there are a pair of mugs on the table and he'll just slide one over to you. Rolandier eagerly takes it and is going to down that one as fast as he can. There's no rush, honestly. I imagine this like any part of your imagination, we'll just fill in the blanks. <laughs> and he'll dump his on the ground, like, entirely, and then just hold it upright again and take a swig as if nothing were draining from it. <laughs> and, you know, Orlander, after thinking that he had downed his, takes another glance at his mug and is now perfectly filled once more. <sighs> again, I fail in my attempts to understand you, Cad, but looking him now in the eyes. Thank you. Understand that this warrants no thanks. I did not bring you here. Th though, yes, I have returned some significance to it, but your own mind was the conductor. We are both merely passengers, Rolandia. This is my attempt to understand you and where you will fit in. 
in what is to come. If you should play a role. Rolander downs a second mug. <sighs> right then. Shaking his head a little more invigorated now, taking a couple glances back at the others, still frozen in time and space, and then looking at Cad just dead in the eyes. Show me then how you plan to do the things you plan to do. What do you mean by we'll see or whatever it was you said as I implied an end to your search? The end to my search culminates in Luna choosing to make the world that she will make. A world I am convinced will be closer to perfect than any single world that any of you could imagine. That is my desired end. Though the question is, what have you instilled in her? I'm sure by your judgment, nothing so noble. Who knows? We saw what she envisioned you as, did we not? A just and perfect being. Courage, valor. I don't think that part of the world, at least, and by my own interpretation, much of that world that we went to was perfect, Cad. I felt things from my mirror self in that world. I There were things that just did not feel... <clears throat> I can't put my finger on it, but there was something about that world, Cadagast, that was not whole. No, no. Believe you me, I do not purport that it was. Luna lacked much in that moment. You see, she did not yet have a full understanding of each of her companions, as she was yet to gain. That is always and has always been an integral part of her progression. However, still, even seeing what all of you would do, knowing perfectly what all of you would do, save for Val in this go-around... She shirks the responsibility of using the Heart of the Void. Let's a mortal like one of you do it. I can't allow that, you see. It must be her. Her or no one. I think it's less of her shirking a responsibility and more of her choosing what should happen. But... That argument's not going to go anywhere. Uh, I do have one question for you, Cad. That's hopefully something you will answer me. I will answer all your questions, Rolandia, should you be ready to pay the price. I'll warn you beforehand. Who have you sold your soul to now? That one can come for free. I made a pact with Egg in order to reach you all in time. That is something I never stooped to before, so... Already, there are things, variables in motion that I am having difficulty predicting. Perhaps a foolish choice on your end, if I may say so. Perhaps, but it is one I will not make in the future, then. Not without any retrospect. Hmm. Well, I think with that being said as it is, we can assume that the Ethereals are on their way then? Oh, indubitably. And the only way out of this then is for Luna to 
in your words, come to her senses that she is the one to use the Heart of the Void and do so before any other reckoning falls upon us. That is the only solution that will be befitting. Yes. And if there's delay, Luna does not agree at all to use it, the ethereal show up, then what? We all die. Not quite. And he'll pause. (sighs) How so? What makes you think that the one who you have bound yourself to, drawn power from, will not simply wipe you off the face of existence as well for, I don't know, failing in your cause? And what cause is that, Verlandia? What cause have I pledged myself to him to do? (laughs) I have no goddamned idea. Of course not. I imagine you would have sworn whatever it would have taken to earn his allegiance. No, I am bound in one way to use the heart of the void as egg sees fit, but... I have broken greater chains in the past. Even he cannot supersede its power. It predates him. It is unknowable to him. That is something that I have found quite odd in not just, apparently, Egg, but also Vale, who has bound himself in some way to us, or we have bound ourselves to him to offer him some rule over the dead in the new world is (laughs) I feel they fail to grasp exactly that there is no obligation to them once it's used. The fact that Egg trusted a mortal or puts faith in a mortal to do as he would wish is in itself flawed. If anything, it shows how desperate the situation is for him. And Veil the very same. As much as that Puppet Master would like you to believe that he is in control, he is very much not. This is a world of mortals, and we hold all the cards. Perception, Rilandia, is important, and it is one of the reasons that none of you are fit to use the Heart of the Void. The way you perceive it, the way you understand it, is inherently flawed, wrong. You cannot use it. Otherwise, you doom us all. We'll find no argument from me there that it would cause imperfections in the world that's created, but I simply lack the capacity, I think, to understand your point of why Luna, then, is perfect, or has the capacity to create something perfect. Because she treads a line between mortal and immortal that none of you do. And... From where I stand, that line is far separated from where she currently stands. She has spent nothing but time amidst mortals, learning, being influenced by them. Why should this inherent trait of hers, that she is godless, supersede everything that she has learned and been taught and learned to love, even? I think you're already seeing that It's winning, that side of her, and her choice to not use it. Oh, but you're right, Rolandia. It is not this inherent trait that will guide her through and through, but the mortal merits that have been placed upon her by those her companions. And thus, I am here to determine what you have done for her, what you've instilled, as I said, 
And if push comes to shove, what, if any, role you play moving forward? Maybe it's the uh, the dream alcohol getting a little bit to his brain, or just the the sudden uplift in his spirits <laughs> from having all of these, you know, this flood of memory brought back to him. But Rolandier wants to attempt to feel out or have any, you know, try to get some notion of whether or not he still has access to his powers of intent or uh, true intent, quote unquote, to uh, his new learnings from the island here in this dream world. Or if Cat is somehow blocking that. Roll insight. So insightful. Eh, 14. It's hard to say. Though this is most definitely, as Cad put it, your mind. What brought you here and what's keeping you here seems to be purely external. Okie dokie den, okie dokie 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 den. At this point, Rolandier is going to stand and he's going to kind of gesture for the door and just say, Give you some air. Let's say we go for a walk. Very well. If that's what it takes to satisfy your questions and for me to satisfy mine. And Rolandier is going to now try to be conscious of the fact that it is his mind and control where the next vision is going to take them. Where do you want to go? Rolandier wants to drop them into this place, not at where they were fighting the bloodied orphan, but at wherever the heck these hordes and hordes of things were that were charging at them. And he wants to essentially make it so that if he opens up the door, they're just going to come like barreling into the inn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As you walk to the door, cad in tow, and then swing it inward and open, before you is just an ashen plain of sickly, bony trees and thousands upon thousands of shambling corpses. In the far distance, you see these black rock mountains and the waters of passing that are the hallmark of Destira's domain. And it's funny you almost see like your group in the in the distance approaching those very waters but here in front of you you are simply met with these shambling bodies who don't do anything and cad peeking <laughs> past you as you kind of <laughs> as if expecting the wave to come in just goes disappointed are we lander takes a peek around the door sees all these beings just standing there. They're kind of just moving about like mulling to and fro bumping into each other, bumping into trees, rolling on the ground doing nothing. He's gonna take the mug that's in his hand and just chuck it at one of them. It bonks off their head and then just clatters to the ground and barely seems to register. Rolander mumbles under his breath and he just shuts the door. (laughs) If you recall they only grew violent once we disturbed the waters and the orphan. Lander doesn't say anything. <laughs> he goes back down and he sits down on the table. All right, well then. I guess my question for you then is, what do you want from me now that we are here? You've explored the depths of my mind. We've had our nice little chat. Clearly anything and everything that you hope for lies not in my power, but in that of Luna. And what you have done 
As I've said, he'll stroll over the table, but he'll just stand behind the chair he was sitting at. He won't sit down. And he'll just wag a finger at you and say, No, I don't think I need anything more from you, Orlandir. I've gathered all that I probably can. As you've just shown me, you're cunning, you're intelligent, brutal when need be, just at times merciful, rarely. These are, at least in my opinion, admirable traits, but whether or not they will lead to Luna in some... He weighs his words for a moment and then starts over. But whether or not these will lead to Luna performing the task I have set before her is still unclear. I think I'll let you have one more go around. And then, perhaps, you won't be part of the equation anymore. And then he'll just push himself off the chair and start walking toward the door. Could I ask something, regardless of what you choose? He stops in the middle of the parlor. Very well, but it comes with the same warning as I've given you before. Should it enter such territory that I do not wish you to know. I will not let you keep the answer. Consider yourself lucky thus far. I don't believe I'll have to rend your mind of much, if anything. No, I quite honestly have little care for whatever that dark pit of your soul may be, but regardless of what happens, after all of this, after you leave our minds, respectively, make whatever judgment call you need to, and withstand whatever rebellion pushback that we attempt. If you've deemed any of the others not fit for some world that you would have Luna to create, spare them in some way. Make them a farmer, make them whatever they need to be, just something with purpose, and do whatever you will with me. There it is. That. That is good. I can use that. What do you call it? Mercy? No, no. Selflessness? Self-loathing. More like. Ah. (laughs) Useful indeed. And then he'll turn back and start striding toward the door again. Lander's going to let him keep walking. He'll kind of just sit there. He wants to stay in this room a little longer. Cad opens the door and closes it as he leaves with a resounding thud. Looking around the room, looking into this mug that is empty and stays empty, these figures of your companions lined up against the wall, caught in this flash of light and joy, seem to shift as if they were all made of wax, subtly, slightly melting, their features morphing and changing, dripping onto the ground, until none of them remain but puddles of color that then seep through the floorboards and disappear as the torches and candles in the parlor flicker and fade one 
by one. Until only one remains. One small candle on the edge of the bar. It's the only light in this whole place. Relender stands, takes a glance back into the complete darkness now where those figures had been. Is the picture still in his hand? Yes, it is, though it looks more like it did right before you ripped it up. It's just this faded, almost sepia-toned photograph. He carries it with him over to the candle, takes a good long look at each of the faces one more time, and then reaching for the candle just says, All right, Cad, now I'm going to kill you. And he pitches out the light. 